Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Ryan Lowe, manager of Preston North End Football Club. Ryan, thanks for joining me. How are you? No problem. Very well, thanks. Yeah. Good. 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 How, uh, how have you been since the season's finished? Uh, yeah, been good. Had some family time, been away on holiday. Um, sat down and sort of thought of what we need to do better next season and how we go about our business. And obviously, the recruitment started a while ago, and obviously, the, the horrible part of it, you know, was releasing players when, you know, it's a tough, tough decisions and tough times, but that's gone now. It's passed, and now we're on to the recruitment side of things. So, I've had a good break, but the hard work starts now because it's getting intense. Um, a lot of players, a lot of agents, a lot of phone calls, but it's something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. How early? I know you just mentioned it started a while ago. How early does the recruitment start? Well, the, the recruitment starts as early as you want it to. Really, I think when when you come in the building, obviously when I come in on the seventh of December. You know, I wanted to give every player an opportunity to to, to shine for me, and, and and they all did in different ways, whether it was a daily basis or a weekly basis on on the pitch, on a Saturday or a Tuesday. Um, but then I have to make sure that what I feel we need going forward, I think it's not rocket science what we what we do need in terms of the the players. What I will say, the lads who were all here were all fantastic characters, fantastic lads, which is a big part of me because I don't don't have no idiots if you like in the building and we never had any of them they were all good lads um, and then obviously you know finding what you feel suits your system and what type of players and what personnel and you're identifying them and then obviously as the season draws to an end where the lads have been offered new contracts or haven't or options have been taken or haven't and then ones who are on free contracts so it, it starts as early as you want really I think I was in the building a couple of weeks and I really identified what we need uh, we obviously felt we needed another striker and so we brought Cameron Archer in and then you know, as the season's gone on, you you know you, you we know what we need now in terms of to, to help us get forward. You know, I think we look at it with eleven points outside the playoffs. You know, if I can sign four or five players who can give us five ten percent each, and we can galvanise twelve points, then you know that that's your target set of where you want to try and yeah. get to. And I've not hit the fact of where we're trying to get to, but it's trying to get that personnel and then players that can come in and fit into the group and. And ultimately, want to play a good brand of football, want to be coached well, and want to play for a fantastic football club. Yeah, we'll just take it back a bit. Obviously, you're a scouser, Liverpool lad. In in Liverpool, football is is a culture, isn't it? It's part of being a scouser, yeah. really. How how was that for you growing up? 
Yeah, well, well, football was. Uh, I think most most people will say, won't they? Footballers are where the ball at my feet at the age of fours or threes or twos and whatnot. And you know, yeah, you, you do because it's the easiest thing to buy, isn't it? As a Christmas present, yeah. a football and a case you used to call them or a flyaway, which were plastic things with yeah. air in. Um, and then I, look, I remember obviously loving football and, and playing football, and I think you know. When you're growing up, it's it's where you want to go. I was brought up in, on a council estate and in a council street, and you know we used to play on the in the alleyways, shooties, and then we used to play on the main roads against shutters with cars flying past. You know, they were the things you did, and you know, obviously that's, that's a lot dangerous to do now as kids. But everything was just football, football, and then I found myself, you know, playing for a team called the Four Swallows, which was well established, and my manager was Bill Bill Kenny, who was Billy Kenny, who. who, who once played for Everton and, and his career dipped a little bit and he went out the game, you know. And then I was brought up around, you know, good football and teams like sort of, you know East Villa in me in me Sunday Saturday Sunday days. And then I was at Southport's a youth team and I was at Liverpool Centre of Excellence Liverpool Schoolboys. So the list goes on endless and endless. And it went until obviously twenty when I really got had that break. You know, I was getting rejected from. You know the clubs to name a, a lot of clubs who was getting rejected from, and I just felt I weren't probably good enough. And what what did do it for me? I, you know, when I played Sunday football for the Sandon Dock, and then Saturday football for the Walthrow Dock, got picked up from there to play for Southport U team and play for them, and then made an appearance for Southport in a Conference Cup, and then I left them to go to Bearsco, and it was really Bearsco where I met you know the best bunch of lads you'll ever you'll ever you'll ever meet. And we're still in contact now. We still have a you know a, a WhatsApp group with us all in, and they were they were diamonds. And listen, people say oh the career I had was fantastic, but without them boys and the pe- people like Sir John Davidson, the manager, and Peter King, the assistant, I might never have got on the track to get yeah. there. And I found myself then at Everton on trial, and Everton recommended me to Shrewsbury, and and the rest was history. Yeah, I know you just mentioned about Bearsco. That was in nineteen ninety nine. I think the fact that you're still in a WhatsApp group now mm. obviously says a lot about those characters and. Well, and how influential they've probably they, been for you. They, they was, they were very influential, and you know, if a name one, I'll have to name them all, and I, I, I can't go through them all. But they were all as good as, and you know, they are. They, they, they were fantastic for me, and you know, of the stuff of you know, being around grown men who, who, who finishing work at five o'clock and then getting in the car and getting changed to go and train on a Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then to. To put shifts in on a Saturday afternoon, you know, we end up getting promoted from the Unibon First Division to the Unibon Premier Division with that team, and they, they were fantastic lads. And as I say, even as you said, you know, all them times and still being in contact with them all them years, and we're, we're, we're close mates and good mates because, you know, without them, you know, you wouldn't find yourself. I don't think that can happen anymore. Yeah, older players. Looking after the younger group, and, and you know what, you know, Lee McEvely was the same. He went on had a good career. He was he was with us, and you know there were several other lads that had represented Bearsco. But it's how you ground them where you want to get to, and they obviously seen a quality in me to say, look, if you get your head down and keep working hard and keep doing the right things, I think I scored thirty eight goals that year. So I, I half knew I'd get an opportunity at yeah. a professional football club, and and as you say, when when you get that opportunity, which I did at Shrewsbury, you've got to make sure you take it. Yeah, I suppose it gives you the confidence as well, doesn't it? Going into Professional football from Berska. Yeah, well, I remember I used to have a, an Audi car. Uh, I was fortunate me, my mum and dad bought me a car, and, and um, I think I used to get thirty pound a, a game for Berska and twenty pound a goal. But the car I had was used to cost a fortune, and they used to make me pick them. I used to pick all the lads up and take them to training and to matches, and they'd all get 
drunk in the bar afterwards, the barons, and I'd have to drive them home. <laughs> but uh, so there's nothing soft about them. But again, it was just that group of players and group of lads who, who knew they'd seen something in me to say, keep going, keep working hard. And, and look, I had to, my focus was to be a professional footballer. Yeah. So you, you have to, you know, there's challenges along the way, and you have to, you know, you can't go up with your mates on a Saturday, and you have to you know, make sure you, you're doing the right thing and sacrifice a lot of things. And, and I think it's still the same now as, as any footballer, you have to sacrifice to, to get where you want to get to in yeah. life. Yeah, I think I listened to a podcast with uh, Declan Rice, and he said similar, like all his mates when he was in the, the academy. All his mates like haranguing him about, oh, are you coming out? Are we going for a drink and all yeah. this? And he was like, I had to forego that yeah. in order to get to where I am. And yeah. it's the same in it across any level of football. If you want to achieve something, then there's sacrifices to be made. Def- definitely is, yeah. There's big sacrifices. You know, so any young kids who are listening, the sacrifices are massive. I say it to my lad now, he's 16, and, and I say to him, you know, you've got to make these sacrifices. You've got to get out and you got to get the gym. You got to get out, run of a morning or of a night, and you know if you want to be a footballer, it just doesn't get given to you. Yeah. You know you've got to earn the right. So, you know, yeah, it's it's massively important, and that's just in life in general, really. Yeah. And if you want to do something, you've got to get off your backside and get it done. Exactly. You've represented a lot of different clubs over your time, um, but obviously the the one that sticks out the most before you move into management is Berry, um, and even obviously as a manager. How do you reflect on your time there as a player, and obviously? coach and, and then manager um, yeah look it was probably my most successful time as, as a footballer really and the goals I scored for, for Berry uh, and then ended obviously with a lot a lot of disappointment in terms of you know, I know they've just got the ground back and stuff and they're trying to establish themselves again but you know it was heartbreaking to see see what happened but when I first went there you know I remember playing for Chester and then they got relegated and Alan Nil called me and said he'd like to see me and I went and met him in a hotel him and Chris Brass and asking me loads of questions and what I could do and you know could have scored in 20 goals a season and I was like yeah of course and you know I think the first season I only scored about 8 goals and I was getting left out the team so when I seen the manager said look if I'm not for you I might as well move on because I had plenty of other options and then you know as from then on I stayed in the team scored more goals and then the following season um, I ended up scoring something like I was in a rich frame of form I ended up scoring that year was was 28 goals and we ended up getting promoted from League 2 to League 1 and had a couple of personal accolades in, in that year and, and whatnot. and it was fantastic we got promoted into the into League 1 and then I think I scored 7 goals in 7 games the following season and Sheffield Wednesday then come and took me so you know it, it was tough at the time because I thought well ok I, I did have ambitions of going to the Championship and Sheffield Wednesday had not long been out the Championship and then we ended up getting promoted with them to get back the Championship and then obviously the second time I went back was was under David Flickcroft and I still scored goals but not as many as I, I should have and but, but but again we got another promotion <laughs> and then it was a case of you know he wanted to change it round and and then I moved on again yeah, I think I went to Crew on loan and I ended up signing for Crew on a permanent basis I was there for six months and then I ended up going back to Betty for the third time yeah. um, at thirty nine and I, I I was brought back as a player coach that time and. Obviously, I'd scored a few goals and done well, and and then obviously, you know, the manager the manager changed, and then I played under the manager the first early doors, a couple of games. Oh, sorry, late doors before the season finished, and um, scored a couple of goals. And then the following year, he said, "Look, what do you want to do?" I said, "Look, I want to be a coach now, a development coach if I can. As a player coach, I'll still train when I need to, a bit more authority, and I used to take the the bounce games and the reserve games yeah. if you like. And then obviously, I got that book for to, to start becoming a manager, but the truth be known, mate, I had, I had a five-year plan to be a manager because I had opportunities from other clubs to come in as like a coach and yeah. 
you know, further down the pyramid, and I didn't want to. I wanted to stay in the professional ranks, and and then, as I say, after after six months, the, you know, the management side took over, and the excitement side, and at the first caretaker charge, I didn't think I was ready, and I probably weren't. And then, obviously, we had another manager. And after he'd gone, I thought, right, okay, give me an opportunity, and. And as you'll probably ask me more questions on it, the rest is his history. <laughs> five-year plan doesn't stay as a five-year plan then? It certainly doesn't, no. It, it'll actually come to fruition in three months. Bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> so everything went out the window. And um, But look, I always say in life, what's meant to be is meant to be. Yeah. You know, if you're meant to be given a job, you, you're meant to be given a job. And then I, I took the game as a caretaker and I, I won two, drawn two, lost two. I remember that. And then the new manager come in and he, he went 10 games went out to win I think we had one win and then the chairman changed the manager again which you know obviously the results weren't right so he, he obviously had to and then he said look I'm going to give you the job to the end of the season on a full time basis I just want to see a change of football see a different style and if you do what I think you know was exciting and you know you get the fans on side again because the fans were obviously disappearing I was a, classed as a bit of a legend at Berry and you know and we did we galvanised loads of points and you know, we, we obviously end up getting relegated and then, you know, he, he offered me the two year contract for the following year in League Two and and as I say it comes to fruition in three months. The first one, if he'd give me the job the first time round, who knows where it might have taken us, whether yeah. we'd have won more games. I would like to think looking back now, yeah, we probably would have won games, but he'd give it to another manager which which was fine by me and I helped the other manager to, to try and succeed and it, it didn't. And then as I say, the following season was where where we really kicked on and really stamped my authority down. I suppose that gives you a bit more time to sort of learn as well. When obviously, well, know you look back and say that we could have maybe done this, could have maybe yeah. done that, but you, you can develop as well as a as yeah. A, as well, a, we, we learnt on I learnt on the job to be honest, and I brought Stephen Schumacher in with me as as a coach, and we had Ryan Kidd, who's an ex Preston legend. Um, you know, he was massively important to me at the time, and, and helped us out massively. And and then the following year, we got Rob Kelly, and again, who who'd managed Preston, who'd been a Preston North End, and and then Chewy, and, and I found this identity, this style, and what I wanted. Recruited the right players, the right personnel, and and again, we we end up having a fantastic season. What what come later on in yeah. terms of the lads not getting paid from January onwards, but. What we done was we, I, I, you know, I implemented the style of football. I implemented a, a man management style of myself, and, and basically learnt on the job. Yeah. And there's not many people that can say they learnt on the job and got a promotion out of it, especially when you hadn't yeah. been paid for five or six months. So, it was it was challenging. It was good. It was a, it was an experience. I'd, I'd never want to go through it again. Yeah. But it was an experience in life that made me bigger and better than what what I am. How? I know you mentioned there the the months without pay, not just for you but for the players and the other staff mm. at the club. How do you, as a manager, go about sort of keeping morale high, keeping the players buying into what you want, and finishing the season and going through yeah. that and achieving um, what you did? Well, there was there was some players who I was close to, and and you know, my own personal money I used to lend players money for nappies for the kids and stuff, and because at that level they weren't on hundreds of thousands of pounds of money they they were on decent enough money as a footballer but not enough to keep them surviving and it it actually broke me in a way that it it took me a little while to get back over to get over it but I had a strong family behind me and you know people who I was speaking to or how you deal with it and you know I was the same you know I'd earned okay money in my playing career and had a 20 year playing career but ultimately no one can go four or five six months without getting paid and that's what we did do but in terms of with the players I, I just made it 
simple to them really play if you want to play or don't play if you don't want to play yeah. and, and, and basically what I, what I tried to do was I tried to get the group to say and believe in that you know you'll end up having a medal round your neck and that obviously that that's the medal that one there yeah um, I said you know what your families and your kids on the pitch with you and you know celebrating a promotion whether you've been paid or not no one can take it away from you and and one of me one of my challenges with the players was look if if we all move on and we all leave this football club you leave it a promotion on your CV and not many had them yeah. and if you leave it a promotion on your CV then and you were one of the best teams if not the best in the division at the time other teams will want to take you and I think there was only one player who struggled to get a contract out of that squad I yeah. I, I, I brought in and I took, took in and, and made to come second in the division so I was that was pleasing in myself, but it was it was tough times. But as I say, you know, the little small quotes like tough times don't last tough um, tough times don't last tough people do. You yeah. know, and that they're they're good sayings because they do. And if you know if you're tough in yourself and you're resilient in yourself, you can get through it. And what we did do with that group of players was we got through something that was 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 very special, but was was tough to deal with. I suppose as well, achieving what you did, given everything that was going on at the club, from anyone that was looking in from the outside yeah. it says a lot about you as individuals and yeah. and as a group well we, we come together there's a few pictures all over social me- uh, social media or probably over you know Google and whatnot of you know I made sure that after every game we won I brought all the staff on the pitch you know the, the inside office staff you know there were some people at the clubs who'd been there for many many years and we just wanted to form it all as one because it was we, we needed to get through this together you know we'd had meetings and meetings all of us together we tried to make sure that all the staff, because a lot of them were fans, and you know, we made sure that we were galvanised each other. Yeah, okay, we weren't getting paid, but we wanted to make sure Berry FC survived, and we wanted to make sure we achieved our goals, which which we did. Ultimately, the club didn't survive in the end, but which is obviously sad. But yeah, it was tough. You know, you you're pulling people along, you're trying to the morale. I used to say, I used to go into work with a mask on, and, and, and the mask was deep down. I was really hurting, but I had to show face to all my players and all the staff who was around that. Look, I'm in with a smile on my face. You're coming to work. You know, some people are going be a footballer or a football manager for free if you give them the opportunity, and that's sort of how we looked at it. Um, and, and again, it's, it'll go down in history for what everyone done—not just me as the manager and the coaching staff and the players, but the, the staff in and around the building. Yeah. You know, yeah. I suppose it's the staff in and around the place that sometimes are the unsung heroes to yeah. an extent. Um, at what point, when you were at Bury and obviously Steve Day came in? At what point did you realise that actually this club's in proper trouble? Um, I, I, I knew obviously when, when you when you meet someone for the first time, um, you get false percent pretences. That's what I got. Yeah. Um, and without saying too much and, and talking about the person in too much because I don't like to do it. And but I, I knew after the first months money weren't available yeah. you know we had people in and around the club and there was no money in the accounts and there was money going in but was getting took out and, and what not so it, it it was tough really to, to deal with um, but ultimately you know there was a lot of people to blame in terms of why Betty's gone where it's yeah. gone but not for me to say and it was hard to take uh, it, it was it was rootless how it went but ultimately I wouldn't go and buy a car if I couldn't afford it so again the questions needed to be asked on that so in terms of how we how we went about our business we, we knew the players knew they were, they were told so many promises that never come through and when you break a promise or you break an agreement for the first time it's never going to wash three or four or five times down the line so 
what we had to do as a group and me as the manager I had to galvanise the group of players and we did and there was a lot of stuff that went on and, and you know we, we couldn't condone that but in terms of look where it ended up it should never have ended up in that way so a lot of people have got a lot of questions to answer which I'm sure they won't or they will or maybe in the future who knows but my focus was just making sure that the football club got promoted and yeah. then players had a, had a promotion on the CV Obviously moved to Plymouth after that um, in what circumstances did you leave Berry? was it you just kind of walked away with everything that no, was going no, on to, or? to be fair Plymouth Argyle to be fair to them purchased me and Stephen Schumacher right. out of our contracts so the football club did get a lot of money for us yeah. um, and then we were reimbursed our money what was owed back to us and then all the players eventually were reimbursed through the PFA right. of the monies that was owed so again look that was down to the PFA and, and, and everyone that helped along the way in, in that but in terms of you know, the sale for, for me and Stephen Schumacher was it was a case of we had a, a clause in our contract of what we were potentially were to, to a League 2 club or League 1 club or a Championship club and and to be fair to Plymouth Argyle, they, they, they bought us out of our contract, which was void really because we hadn't been paid. But then obviously, uh, there's a couple of complications that happened with it, and then obviously, we had to be purchased out of our contract. Yeah, I suppose you're thinking as well that money can go into Berry and well, potentially well, help it. Well, yeah, I, that's what I wanted it to do. And, and again, I, ugh, I don't know where it went or what happened to it. I ended up paying £100,000 for a lad called Tom Telford as well from Berry. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't, I don't know where the money went. So, you know, but in in terms of you know what what we had to do, we had to you know I had to save my family because again I had to do the best thing, and and it was a fantastic opportunity to go to a fantastic football club. Were you hesitant, obviously, given how far it, how far away Plymouth is? Mm. Like, was that uh, yeah, anything yeah. that ever crossed yeah, your I, mind? I was, or? I was. But what I did do, to be fair, is um, when when I met the chairman and the CEO and the secretary. So were they Both new owners members. when you went in? No, no. Um, he, Simon Allen had not long took over the reins. I think he took over January. T- he was always part of it, but I think he took over officially January right. time before Derek Adams left towards the back end of the season when he'd officially been relegated. And, you know, I, I bought into their vision and they bought into my vision. And, you know, when I went down there, they, you know, they put the red carpet out for us and, you know, made it look this what you can do and, and the fan base was was outstanding we knew that we could we could get the place bouncing you know a lot of people I said I remember when I was on social media and a few comments where we, we took them in the bottom of league two well we did but that was because we were P Plymouth Argyle and we were down the bottom yeah. when we first started the league not the fact that they were sinking down the bottom it was just when we took over and as the league was I think we were actually bottom I don't know what yeah, we were P. So Plymouth Argyle would have been officially twentieth and maybe twenty first. So, and I knew that we could get the place bouncing. I knew that yeah. we could bring a good brand of football. I knew they still had good players there. If I could attract good players to a good fan base and a good football club, um, we we'd get it bouncing. And we certainly did do that. Obviously, the first year to get promoted, albeit later on it was by points per game because we warranted them points and we felt that we could go on and win that league. Um, and we wanted to go again, but obviously COVID it and the pandemic, so it was tough to, you know, we consolidated just. And then the recruitment, we done just me, but all the staff last season to get Plymouth Argyle where they got to. And, and to be fair to Stephen Schumacher, took it on and, and kept it going and, and done fantastic. Uh, was was brilliant with, with the budget they had and, and where they were trying to get to. So I always knew that a big club like the Plymouth Argyle could get back where they want yeah. to get to. And I bet they will get back to the Championship in no doubt very soon, I'm sure. Yeah, in terms of when you went in there, um, 
you mentioned that the the board and the owner bought into you, you bought into them. Was there any hurdles or any challenges that you did have to overcome, or was it pretty plain sailing as no, far it, as football goes? Yeah, it was plain sailing. I remember going down with my assistant manager and my agent to London. We had an interview. I presented. He, he used the computer while I was presenting, and you know, two of us were in there. We showed what we were about, and you know, the type of characters we were and the type of lads we was, and we presented the style and the identity and the philosophy. And within half an hour of getting the station, they phoned us and said the job was ours if we wanted it. And then obviously we went down. But in terms of hurdles, there was no hurdles really. It was just making sure that we had the opportunity to to, to take the club forward. And, and with Simon Allen, who I must say is a, is a fantastic guy, and Andrew Parson again, another fantastic guy at, at Plymouth Argyle, and then Zach Newton, who was the secretary. Without all them, let alone you know the other directors, Trevor East and, and everyone else. It, 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 and Neil Jusnip who we brought in as director of football the place was well run yeah. and it was it was fantastically run in terms of we had to stick to a budget we had a plan we had a philosophy we had a style they gave me a challenge of getting to the championship within five years we got them to leave one within 12 months and then they've obviously nearly got to the championship within two and a half years so or three years I'm sure the journey will continue but there was definitely no challenges the, yeah. the only challenge was was convincing you know myself and my family to commit there obviously I ended up going down on my own but because it was too far for the kids and they were in school and whatnot. but that must have been tough it, it, it was but I had to sacrifice and, and, and if it was another if it was Come, a, comes back to what we said yeah, before doesn't it it does mate yeah and I always think things happen for a reason and, and I sacrificed my family for a case of you know being successful at Plymouth Argyle but I, I'd like to think albeit there's probably a minority that don't like me anymore <laughs> which I'm sure is the case but I, I was loved by them. I felt the love from them. I was bought into their family, and, and you know we were successful as, as together as a family. And you know I'll say that to the day I die. You know they were brilliant with me, and I felt I was brilliant with them. As I've said, the minority will be disappointed I left, and that that's rightly so. And you know things could have been handled better. I know that, um, but it, it, it's a football club that's that's deep in my heart because of what we've done. Berry yeah. and, and Plymouth Argyle, Army, two clubs. I've got them promoted back to League One at the first attempt. So why wouldn't he be in your, in your heart or close to your heart? So there was no challenges. It, it was tough at the time to leave the family, but again, I, I done it and, and, and made sacrifices. And um, I feel as I've left it when I left anyway for Shuey to continue and the staff to take it onto the next level, which I'm sure they will. Yeah. How did you move here come about then? Um, well, I think at the time, you know, I said to my agent. Um, I, I didn't want no. I, I was linked with a few jobs, and I said, "Look, I don't want to be linked with every job that comes available. I just don't want it because I don't want me distraction. I don't want me players." And then but one day, a couple of the players come in and went, "Oh, you're off then, are you, Gaffer?" And I was like, "Off where?" You know, I didn't like the fact that they thought that I was just going to yeah. get up and leave, um, which which ended up happening in the end. But that was early on, and I said to me, "Look, I don't want to." I don't want to be linked with all kinds of jobs. If there's a job that someone wants me and they want to hire me to be, you know, to be me and to, to help that football club, then I'll do that. And then I think it was on the we've got the phone. My agent had obviously got the phone call and mentioned to me about you know potential Preston North End, and I was like, yeah, okay, fine. I knew what what was going on and yeah, and had great results. And it went until I was one of them managers that never looked at any other job apart from my own. And people are link you with this job and that job, and I, I remember going when I was at Berry. I remember going Hods on favourite for the Luton Town job, and I was like, I haven't even spoke to Luton Town, or no one spoke to it, so I don't know where it come from. And then there was a couple of other jobs that I was linked with, 
uh, Bolton I was ever heavily linked with and, and I know they made an approach with the football club at the time and I said to me look I don't want to m- make any you know me being out there and, and sort of as if I'm selling myself to move I want to concentrate on, on Plymouth Argyle and then obviously <coughs> Preston North End made the approach to Plymouth and I felt okay it's good that I need to talk and and that was it there was two days people say oh you know we just jumped up and gone yeah I, I did jump up and go but it was a long process it went I know it happened quite quickly but I think when when a club like Preston North End come crawling you've got to you can't say no and I listened to what Peter had to say I spoke to Craig and where their vision was for the football club and, and I know Plymouth Argyle should have been dealt with differently I know that from 100% from my heart it should have been dealt with better from me should have been dealt with better from them and you know we, we crossed that path and we had that discussion you know with the owner and with the CEO and myself and we know it could have been better and it, there's only two ways you leave a football club one way when you're being sacked and everyone eats you anyway but the other one is when you go and you go to a, a, a different type of club um, in the championship or a bigger club as some people will say then you know they're, they're the two reasons yeah. you leave and, and I know I, you know I left a lot of people disappointed down there at Plymouth Argyle but again I'd sacrificed a lot of things to, to try and get to them back there. yeah to go down there and again a lot of people will, will <coughs> understand that a minority won't but my love and affection for Plymouth yeah. Argyle was, was true so but then you get these opportunities in life and they don't come around quickly and once it come around I knew we were doing well in League One I felt we could sustain a, a playoff challenge which they did until the last day and you know, I was gutted that he didn't get in there. He definitely deserved to because we, we, we accounted for seventy-four points to to get us into the playoffs, and they end up getting eighty. And you know, they never they never managed to make it, which was disappointing. Um, but again, when a club like Preston North End comes along, you, you, it, it's hard to say no. Especially being closer to home as well, I would imagine. Well, yeah. Look, it, it, again, if if um, you know, people say like, oh, you, you know, you're close to home. Generally, generally, the first port of call was. I wanted to know the football club, I obviously knew the history and tradition of it, I wanted to know what way it was going, I entered, spoke to Peter and Craig, I wanted to look at the squad, now with, with all due respect to, to any other club, if it had been a club that was, if Preston North End was a club that I felt I couldn't take on to the next level or take up the leagues, I wouldn't have took the job, it's as simple as that, people say oh yeah he was always going to take his own, no I weren't, I, I needed to make sure that the foundations and the structure and everything else about the right, it, right club for you. Yeah, and, 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 Apart from Frankie, you know, I think Alex was four years tenure here, so you've got to look at longevity as well. That's what I looked at yeah. at Plymouth Argyle. Simon it. was the same, I think he was here. Yeah, four long time. And, and, you know, when I looked at Preston, uh, Plymouth Argyle, their manager was there for three and a half years, Derek Adams. I think he signed a five year contract or a four year contract, one or the other. So I looked at longevity in the club of what the, what the owners and the man- and CEOs and whatnot have done with the managers. And I looked at the squad and thought, yeah, I can take it to the next level. I think I can take it up the league. And and as you've seen, I think obviously we we we, we done fantastic to get where we got to in the end by just missing out into the playoff position by eleven points. Which, if you if you'd asked me that when I took over the job, I'd have bit your hand off for it. Yeah. So to get where we got to was really pleasing. So people say, oh yeah, it was closer to home. It wouldn't have mattered if it was two or three hours down the way down the road, as long as it was the right club and and it was the right club. Yeah, when. When you came in, obviously, you'll have taken a look at the squad and all that sort of stuff. How much of a task, or was it even a task, for you to try and improve the mood? Because I think, I could be speaking out of turn here, but things uh, weren't as positive as they are now. Uh, Was that something that you had to sort of overcome as well? Um, 
Well, no, because I, I knew, I, I'll read something out to you in a second, just got it out, but I knew the club and the players, I knew a few of them personally, and I felt, with all due respect to, to, to Frankie, and I'd never slag any manager off or previous manager, um, I didn't look at what happened before I got in the building. Clean slate. Clean slate, every single player, which hence a lot of players end up playing. Like for Brad Potter, I can say he was, he was dead in the water, he, he was nowhere near. Yeah. He played for centre forward, he played wherever, um, and he's just one example. Daniel Johnson's another one who went in a team and ended up being probably one of the best players towards the back end of yeah. the season. So I, I just wanted to give everyone a, a clean slate and an opportunity to showcase what they could do, and, and I did that. So I knew I could go in there and I could get a bounce, and people say, Oh, was that quick um, new manager bounce? As if we just got three. No, we were, we were consistent. I know we lost, I think we only ever lost two on the bounce, and they were against good teams, yeah. let alone, you know. So again, we, we, we jumped quick and we started getting a lot of points, uh, which I was then thinking, Okay, can we go to that next level? And we just missed out whether that was lack of quality or decision making, whatever it was. But when I took over, I didn't even look at where we was in the league to be perfectly honest with you. I knew we were down at the bottom but I'm just going to show you now. So after 21 games we were on 25 points. We were 4 points away from 22nd which is in the bottom 3. We ended up finishing the season on 30, um, I ended up getting 39 points. 39 points. So we ended up finishing the season with 26 games. You know, it the, the the average we'd have been at eight or seventh in, in the division. Yeah, I was going to say I saw something the other week that I think if that had carried across over a full season, you'd have yeah, been top so ten. Yeah, so we'd least. have been well, we would we'd have been in the top seven. Yeah. at least so on on them points thirty nine, you'd have been joint joint eight with Millwall. So that just shows how far we come. Now people go, well, you're only on twenty five points now. And I remember one person saying to me, "Be careful, you don't get relegated." When I took the job, and I thought. I just said that and it went until in the back of my head because I never had no ever thought of going oh well they're down the bottom I yeah. just thought good players good football club let's get the fans back in the building into the stadium which we which we have and let's go all as one which which we did yeah. and, and all the averages of all the players you know I've got them all here every player went up in average since me and since since previous me you know all the XGs went up all the shots for the shots on Tiger all went up the, the amount of things that went from you know, average to in the top eight and top five and top six is there. Yeah. You know, I'll show you when we finished. Went through the roof. So that was good enough for me to see the improvement of yeah. all the players. But what I will say is the players have to take a lot of credit for that as well. Because we've come in say that. and stamped our authority down. I told them what I wanted, the type of football I'm going to play, the type of training we'll do, buy into it, fit in or move on. Yeah. And the ones who fitted in, the ones who were all played and managed to get points on the board. Yeah. I know, um, obviously, you and Shuey have got a good past. You've done loads together. Was that a conversation that you ever had about the two of you coming up here? Or yeah, well, was Mike someone or yeah, always Mike, someone that you'd sort of had in, in your mind? Anyway? Marcy had always been, Marcy had been obviously out of work for a while. And, and, and again, you know, whatever. Neil Jusnippy was my director of football at the time at Plymouth, worked with Mike Marsh. And, in football, you always get a feel for different coaches and yeah. different people. You know, Anthony Barry's one of our good mates. He's now Chelsea's first team coach. He's got had a fantastic journey so far, and you know he's managing in Champions League games and you know Premier League games. What I say, managing coaching and set plays and whatnot. Mike Marsh is classed as one of the best coaches outside the Premier League. Um, I always felt you always have to have Plan B. So you always look at managers and coaches 
and the coaches who were here we, we give an opportunity like so Gally was new and you know fresh and he, he, he's, he's going about his business right Polly obviously different the goalie coach and obviously when when the approach come obviously I'd spoke to Shiru regarding it and then obviously Plymouth had spoke to him but we'd already had Marshy lined up in, in one way or another yeah. to, to, to come and be a coach with us so whether it's a first team coach whether it's assistant manager whether it's two first team coaches because I think when you go to the championship and you've never managed there before you need to have that experience yeah. and, and Marshy's been valuable for me he, he's, he's been a breath of fresh air because he's been there seen it and done it and it's as if we've known each other for the past 10 years now listen I've known him sitting shouting his name when he used to run around on the pitch for Liverpool um, but the way we work together we just bounce off each other and yeah. we sort it and that's what me and Shuey done but again when, when Plymouth Argyle offer you know a young coach a young first team coach young assistant manager who's been for a year or two an opportunity to manage a fantastic football club it was tough for him yeah. and he obviously chose to, to, to stay at Plymouth Argyle which fully respected and we still speak on a daily basis about players and formations and so much formations because we're both the same but tactics and whatnot, yeah. and how we can change and you know what we do what, what am I doing a bit different and stuff now in the championship and what, what you come across the type of players so we're, you know we're still, we're, still, we're still best mates and we'll continue to do that and we'll support each other on yeah. our journeys now but ultimately you know you've got to make sure that you have plan B in place just in case stuff like that does happen yeah and I suppose my Marsh has got was he involved with the England youth? Yeah, he won the World uh, Cup, didn't he, with the under-17s, yeah, and worked with some fantastic players and, and, and hit the bar twice in the playoffs with Swansea. They got to the playoffs twice on, on the bounce. I think they finished fourth and sixth, yeah. respective years. Uh, he worked under Brendan Rodgers at Liverpool. He'd worked under David Wagner at Huddersfield. So he's had that experience, you know, of, of, of coaching top, top yeah. players. And I must say, his coaching methods and his coaching is different class. Yeah. Uh, and we bounce off each other right the way through, along with Gally now, who's, as I said, is going, you know, he's getting better and better on a daily basis. So I feel as if, you know, we're going back to that before, what's meant to be is meant to be. And, you know, Gally's here with us now, and Marcy's assistant, Gally's first team coach, and the staff I've got now and recruited, uh, I feel is, is good enough to take us where we want to get to. Yeah. How detailed do you go? in your prep before a game in terms of like your analysis and all that is that something you put a lot of emphasis into or? yeah yeah, we do we have obviously Charlie and Dan our analysts we, we sort of I'll show you a little bit we sort of um, you know we sort of do 80% us 20% the opposition yeah and, and we'll sign we'll sign do stuff like I don't know you know so everything will be all done by you know we'll have a we'll watch them the videos and then we do like opposition analysis stuff Yeah. and then we'll, we'll see how they play their, their team up their line up uh, and then we'll show some clips with possession we'll show some clips out of possession it's all highlighted from goal kicks of where we need to set and what we need to do uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll move it further down the line whoever's poor use of the ball we'll, we'll look to time so we leave no stone unturned to be perfectly honest with you yeah. we throw it to time make sure like you know where we feel we can get our eight down the side and cross into the box to score goals. We, we go about the analysis stuff massively, you know what yeah. I mean? And then we'll, we'll show the players that we have individual, we started the individual unit meetings in terms of having them in like wing backs and defenders and eights and, ta- and strikers, just to have that little feel of who you're going to be linking up with, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's important that we do everything but mostly we focus on what we're doing. Yeah. So we'll show you bits on the opposition, but most of the time it's solely focused on what we Do you think managers and coaches can perhaps get a little bit caught too much in focusing on the opposition? 
Uh, I think you have to respect every opposition you come up against, which we do. Uh, you certainly see flaws in their game. You certainly see they don't care, but they'll keep doing the right things. So yeah. for argument's sake, they'll keep playing over from the back, whereas we love to play over from the back, but there's a time and a place when you've got to go long or you've got to clip it into the yeah. wing-backs, whoever it is. Um, and I think you can't be bogged down. We certainly don't. We we make sure sometimes we'll put all the patterns of play on for, for all the opposition, for, for all the teams who, who, are, who are working under. Sorry, you were facing, and we'll put all the session plans together of what we're doing and how we're doing it, and then it just doesn't come to fruition. And you're like, but they've given you something different, yeah. and someone's broke up and done a bit of spark, or you know, it's a weld into the top corner, or chopped inside, yeah, or... you know. So, a little bit of individual quality will always come. So, we always say, Look, there's what we feel you can get at, but play what they give you. So, they might just leave space in behind for you to turn a ball for a meal or a camera, and whoever's playing to turn yeah. in behind and chase it then don't turn it down. So we, we, we have to make sure that we don't just, you know, they're not robots, they're human beings. We have to give them everything we feel that can help them on the pitch. And then, as I say, every time we follow the game plan and, and they've stuck to the game plan, we've we've had a good result. You talked when you arrived about your brand of football and the three five two. How do you settle on that? At what point in your career do you go, yeah, this is, this is me? Uh, when you win. <laughs> Makes sense. Basically, yeah. And I think, you know, we, we, we tried a couple of form well I say a couple we tried different formation in a four three three we, we we tried it at Derby County we were down to ten men after thirty odd minutes so that went out the window. We've changed formation when we've gone down to ten men because you, you have to anyway. But I, I said to the players I, I don't like changing. Um we can we can tweak one or two things and we can push an extra forward up but still keep the three at the back and you know if you're chasing the game you can do different things. But ultimately the brand of football and my philosophy is a three five two which is a possession-based attacking team that can get you from one end of the pitch to the other, but without taking many risks in your half. So we have areas called safe, secure, and risk areas. And you know when you're at the top ends, go and be freedom and go and be free and take play. But risk. take yeah, take your yeah. risks and take your shots and your crosses. But in a round, we like a certain build-up and a certain style. And I think you've seen. I think the Preston North End fans have seen this season of of the style and the identity. You know, you only have to look at when you go from one side of the pitch to the other through the thirds it, it, it looks great and then you finish with something preferably a goal we've scored a couple of fantastic goals this season and you've gone wow that's really good I think the one that sticks out for me was the Barnsley one first one first game and yeah. you know there's there's all this talk of mm. new manager what's his style and all this and then you see it in fruition you see it well, take, take place and was that DJ's goal? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one from one end of the pitch across yeah. to the other side was a brownie pass yeah it was no it wasn't that brownie's goal Oh, was it Brownie's goal? Yeah, DJ Slibrownian. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was DJ Slibrownian. Yeah. And and again from one end of the pitch, and that was fair play to the boys. We we on the Wednesday they were due to be off. And I said, "No, lads, you're in tomorrow because we need to win Saturday, and I'll give you your days off throughout the season." Yeah, and they bought into us straight away. We had a little bit of a laugh and a joke with them. Some small size on the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday was patterns of play of how we're going to beat Barnsley, and it was all how we're going to beat Barnsley. And and again, you, you know, to see that goal. And to see it live and, and the patterns of play and the sessions we done with the lads on the Thursday and Friday, that that they're the boys you get as a manager when they come off. Yeah, the Blackpool game. What what was your prep like before that with the lads? Was anything different, or was it just a case of let's let's play the game well, and not the occasion? Yeah, well, again, sometimes when you go into derbies like this and and, and it's for the fans, 
everything's geared up to the fans, isn't it? And, and it's what they want, the bragging rights. You know, I'm from Liverpool, and Liverpool and Everton's bragging rights are a massive aren't they? You've had issues with that over the last yeah. few years, not So <laughs> the rivalry is massive. And, and again, you know, when, when I knew, obviously, Blackpool were, were big rivals and, and whatnot, and, and, you know, you a lot of people saying, oh, you've got to make sure you beat them, you've got to make sure you beat them. And, and to me as a manager, I'm just, you know, and I, I want to win every game, it doesn't matter who it is. But the more and more I got closer to the game, I walked in, the Blackpool game actually, and, and all the staff were in the office, I was there quiet in my office at the ground, and Peter was quiet, and he went to me, I went, all right, and I just bowled in, like, yeah, smile on my face, and he was like, don't tell me you're relaxed, this is Peter, and I went, what, what, what do you want me to be doing? <laughs> in the biggest game of the season. I, went, I know, but I'm quite relaxed, and I was, I was quite relaxed on it, because we'd done the work with the group of what yeah. we wanted to do, and I know the results previous down their place weren't acceptable and weren't right and, the, and and you know a lot of players got flack for it and whatnot, which which is fine but I wanted to make sure that we were giving the fans something to cheer about and shout about and the bragging rights and the only thing that was different I said to Brownie rather than me talking you as the captain you talk so he said to me okay and then he comes to me five minutes later and must have bottled it and went no you say your bit and I'll get them in a huddle before the game <laughs> so I went okay sound no problem so I still said my bit and basically it was look You've got stadiums full. You've got all the fans here. Uh, don't let them down. They want to brag them right. And it was simple, really. The yeah. message was simple. Go and win for the fans. Brownie said his bit in, 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 in the, um, on the pitch when he got them all in a huddle. And I thought we were fantastic from start to finish. I know it was only 1-0, but again... Could have been more. It could have been more. And I thought, listen, I must say, Blackpool have got some good players and they pose a threat. And they're well coached. So, you know, in terms of that, the performance and the level of performance was, was very good from us. And it was one that we sent the fans home happy with. I was happy with the players was and, and the whole football club was. Turned out to be a very good night. <laughs> um, in terms of, maybe not too often, but quite a few times this season, we seem to have struggled to impact games in the first half. Is that something that has bothered you or have you not paid too much mind to it given that you have a plan and yeah so some, sometimes you have to um, you have to give the, the opposition team a lot of credit sometimes because they ain't just going to let you roll just going to roll over and yeah. say oh go on you play your football so there's been games I've looked at and I've gone yeah it was slow start we weren't on the front foot and we didn't get in the faces and, and again but these players are human beings they're not premiership footballers yeah. The, 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 the championship footballers and some have come from League 2, League 1 and, and Championship so I don't expect them to be like Liverpool and Man City who are the two best teams in, in, in the world at the moment yeah. along with probably Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain the fact that they can just turn it on any time you have to look at the games that come thick and fast you know I, I potentially sometimes thought I could probably get more out of players and keep playing them when I probably looking at do a rotate the squad a bit more that's one thing I look at myself and think should have changed i.e. I don't know an Alan Brown for an Ali McCann or for a Ryan Ledson when, when, when he was fit or whoever that may be but ultimately Alan Brown's one of your best players and you need them on the pitch but yeah he might only be at 70% and not 90% yeah. but that's just football isn't it you know as I said the human beings they, they work hard on a daily basis and they train hard, and, and the games that have come taken fast, I, I never speaking to Patrick Bauer towards the back end, we left him up the last game of the season, because he, he was flagging, he was done, he was he was shattered, you know, it was the first time, he'd gone right the way through for two years since he'd done his Achilles injury, 
and I said, look, I want that relationship with the players where they can tell me, look, I'm, I'm done. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I know it was only one game to go, but if I go out there and slog it up and, and, and you know, and I pull a hamstring and I'm out for eight weeks then. So I like to try and have that relationship with the players. But yeah, I must say that there has been times when, when we haven't started well or we haven't been bright, but that's not for the lack of trying. Yeah. Whether that's for fatigue, whether that's for the opposition, you know, not every game is going to be the same. Be, be, be the same. So yeah, is the ways and is the times when you look at it and you think, oh, why didn't we start fast there or why didn't we turn them in behind there? Then we look at it, we debrief it with the players, and and the onus is on them to go and do it. We give them the plan to do it. But what I will say is, every time they've done it, they've been fantastic. Yeah. There has been times when we've had to get them in and go, look like that way at night, and they've gone, yeah, I don't know, he was in my face, I couldn't get it down the side, or he got closer to me and I, I couldn't get on the ball, or for Ben Whiteman's sake, he was man marking me, I couldn't move around. Yeah. So there's loads of factors in it. But ultimately, sometimes you just look at, why didn't we start? Well, well, someone might not have been watching. Their number 10 just sitting on Ben Whiteman, that can't get us started, yeah. and we've had to change it, whatever. So there's loads of factors in it, but it's one that we definitely recognise, yeah. Um, what differences could North End fans expect to see next season versus what we've seen so far? Um, well, they'll still see the same brand of football. They'll still see the same passion. What what they've all liked, I must say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they've loved the, the style. They've loved the, 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 the identity. They've loved the togetherness. Uh, all as one, bringing the fans back. Hopefully, we'll have a little bit more quality that can challenge the, the players who we've got. I think that the squad we had last season in terms of you know look at the lone lads we had Cameron, Sepp and, and, and Daniel yeah obviously they're three three big losses because but we want to make sure that we can get people on the equivalent of them um, if not better which is going to be hard because the you know and then ultimately it's a case of recruiting for having quality players that can challenge so I look at my team sometimes and I think you know the 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 squad more or less picks itself. You know, I want competition for places all over the park and I want potentially, if I can, two players for each position yeah. that can compete with each other. Um, but ultimately, you know, you've got to look over your shoulder and go, yeah, he's up my, you know, on my tail to, to try and take my shirt. And I think, obviously, I pressed the North End over the years. The team's just picked itself. So what I want to do is I want to bring competition for places next season, and that's for all your players, let alone your best ones. You know, Alan Brown needs competition, even yeah. though he's the captain. He needs competition. You know, Emil Riesel needs competition. You know, people time for people to step up and be counted for, and that's what I want. So the philosophy, the style, and the brand will all stay the same. You'll hopefully see a bit more quality that can impact games more. Yeah. How? I mean, this summer we seem to have been a little bit more ruthless as a club when it's come to like letting players go with it. I think Peter referenced it when I spoke to him that perhaps we might have given a chance to in the past. How does that a allow you to make your mark on the squad? Is it just that you can you've got more space to bring players in? And no. How tough are those conversations to have? Well, first and foremost, to be ruthless, to be successful, you have to be ruthless, don't you, in the nicest possible way. Uh, I made a few changes early doors when I come into the football club. I sent one or two players who weren't needed moved them on I sent players out on loan who needed to go and get game time I've released players before the season finished because I felt I needed to um, and then when come the end of the season you you know yeah you're right Preston's probably been a bit too nice over the years of saying oh we'll just give an extra year well what, what's the point uh, giving extra years out just because they're good lads they've got to first and foremost make a contribution and 
you know what I wanted. Listen, there was a lot of players in there who released who, who, who played different styles. So Scott Sinclair for IMC, his best position to the left of a three up front. I don't play with three up front. I play yeah. with two. Joe Rafferty's a right back or left back. I don't play with a right back or a left back. So them type of lads are, are fantastic lads who are just unfortunate that I don't play that system. Now if Joe would have played thirty games as a right back, then. Joe stays on as a Preston or Den player, but, but I don't. Yeah. If I'm a 4-3-3 and Scott Sinclair plays left of a three and I play that, then he, he, he's there and thereabouts. And he, so you have to look at that, but in terms of being ruthless, it, it's it's cruel sometimes, but these players have had good careers and I'll continue to go and have good careers yeah. and get, get get other contracts. I just feel, you know, for us as a football club now, to stand part of authority down of changing the culture of Preston North End because... Um, I want to change the culture. The culture's been too nice. The culture's just been, oh, yeah, I represent Preston North End. No, you represent Preston North End and you give it your all. I'm not saying the lads who've been released that haven't given yeah. it their all. They all have. They've been fantastic on a daily basis. But I don't want a squad of 30 odd players. I want a squad of 22, 23, 24. That's including a few youngsters from yeah. the academy um, to push us and get who we want to get to. I want quality rather than quantity. So. You have to be ruthless in these situations, and it's never personal. You know, everyone I released, I still give them all shook their hand and went all the best wishes, all the best in the future. If you need anything from me, you know, no, I'm always on the phone. Yeah. And and I think that's the best way. In terms of goalkeepers, obviously it's a department that we don't have any first team players at the moment. Aside from the obvious, what what do you look for from your goalkeeper? Is it someone that can aid with playing out from the back or? Yeah, well, sometimes you can get bogged down with goalkeepers, can't you? First and foremost, keep it off the net. Yeah. <laughs> and and again, I think I think what Daniel will probably thank us for of late is he's got ten times better with his feet because of the way he had to play for us and yeah. the way Polly coached him on a daily basis to be what we wanted to be. We had him in the possession sessions and everything, you know, of, of getting used to winning with the ball. So first and foremost, that keep the ball off the back of the net and yet we do want to play off from the back of time but most of the time and, and, and play through the thirds but ultimately that they're, they're, they're goalkeepers you want everyone will say how oh, would you get better than Daniel Iverson with all due respect to Daniel there's better goalkeepers out there than Daniel and there's goalkeepers that we might look and think can be can be as good as Daniel yeah. or can be on par with Daniel and that's the challenge for us is to find that type of keeper and we have got our irons in the fire of, 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 of more than one keeper to, to look to come in and all have different qualities. Now, the qualities might be a little bit different. One might be better with his feet and, and, and not as big, or one might be be able to claw balls out the top in, but not as good with his feet. So there's loads of factors in it. In terms of, I always look at the goalkeeper and think, can they be coached? Yeah. If they can be coached and they're good enough now and they've got a good pedigree, then they'll do for me. Yeah. So, as I say, me and Polly and the recruitment staff are on with that already as it is. But it's just like recruiting any normal person. But ultimately, they've got to be good with the feet and be able to keep the ball off the back of the net. Yeah, well, that's a bit of a given, isn't it? <laughs> um, obviously, you mentioned there that you want a couple of young lads in the squad for next season. We've got a few like under twenties, under twenty ones, whatever age category they fall into. What what is the plan for some of them? Is it give them a chance in pre season and see where we go from there? Um, there's a there's a lot that need to do more, um, and the, the obvious ones at the moment, obviously, Mike Young Neil, who, who who's been fantastic for us. Um, he's obviously had his opportunities but what the other kids need to do now is the other young pros is look at the likes of Mikey O'Neill who's had the opportunity and they've got to take it and grasp it now I've obviously renewed the contracts for, for, for all the youngsters but that's the easy part the hardest part now is breaking into the first yeah. team squad and they know I've spoke to a lot of them uh, the ones who, who, who are supposedly going to be better than others 
you know they're all on the same level playing field at the moment if you ask me and what they've got to do is whether they get an opportunity in pre-season and pre-season games they've got to make sure they take it because ultimately there's always someone next in line Mikey come from nowhere he scored four goals one game against Walsall he was up with us the next day and he's kicked on ever since so all the players who get an opportunity to come because you can't come up half hearted and think oh, I'm with the first team today yeah, I can have a nice breakfast I can have a nice lunch and I'm on a nice training field no it's what you do on the grass yeah. and I've said if you look at my record I've given a lot of kids in the academy a, a, a Berry and Plymouth respectively opportunities to play in the first team and I want to continue to do that Preston or them because I don't think we've had enough of it over the years but I'm happy to do <coughs> it providing they're good enough Yeah in terms of recruitment then what What's it like working with market and market insight? Sorry, and doing that analysis and planning and stuff versus maybe what fans might perceive as traditional recruitment. Well, the recruitments, well, we, we have we have different Andy's actually in us now. We've, we've had a recruitment meeting this morning, and we, we we go about loads of different things. First and foremost, the players who, who we look to recruit, but obviously targets. But but in terms of how we how we go about, it, let me just look for this one. So, let me just, uh, so for, for, forget the name because it's just it's just a name that's not. Right, so we look at stuff like this. So attack and play, right? So crosses to pass ratio. See that little line there? Yeah. He, th- th- they're the averages. So he's all average over everything. The dribble successfully he's not very good as a dribbler. Okay. So this this lad's a right back right wing back so he can't get into the pitch but his passing ratio is very good yeah. so we have all that in play defensive performances passing style and passing progression so first and foremost we'll have all that on, on, on a radar and then we'll put it into a system and we'll we'll put him up with Brad Potts or we'll put him up with Greg Cunningham who's a left wing or, or Josh Hale and we'll, we'll look where like they a are matrix, kind of. like a matrix thing yeah. yeah and we have all the stuff on them of the type of player um, the type of player he is and then obviously we look into the background we look at his, 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 his qualities we look at his, his not so much qualities can we coach him and they're all the stuff and we have like a big dossier on them and we'll go yeah. yeah 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 and then we'll go okay proposal that's what we think's right so as from today we'll probably get a few propo- two or three proposals out for some players today yeah. because it's been a long time waiting and we've done all our own work and the injury records have got to be robust um, and we'll have some proposals out today on players we feel can help us get better and, but there's always one two and three it's not just like oh that one and then if it doesn't go through then you're knackered well, well yeah so we have we have one two and three and and either three obviously would take because we know there's just different so so player a has have all the qualities and we only need to coach a little bit player b might need coaching on us on his crossing player c might need coaching on his shooting so they're all coachable in different ways yeah. but we need to make sure that you know we recruit right and recruit proper and and when you do that, then obviously we've got to make sure that they're better than what we've got. Yeah. With market insights, do you go to them with like a list of positions yeah. and all that sort of stuff? And well, uh, yeah, and they see, see Andy from Market Insights, I've worked enough, this is going to be our third year for two and a half years. He knows my style, knows my identity, knows the type of player I want. So he brings them to us as well. There's players who we might miss. We're looking at players who've maybe been, been at a level but just dipped a little bit and can we help get back up? Because we can't afford millions of pounds, yeah. but we can afford good. We, we can pay good wages, but not 
better than others but what we need to look at we need to look at players who we're not going to get a, a player who's played 46 games in a championship and being one of the best players because he costs loads of money and, and he's probably under contract can we get a player who's played 20 odd games in the championship and just being it and miss whether that's through lack of form whether that's through better player playing ahead of him and can we make them be better than what yeah. we've already got then yeah of course they're the challenges we have and that's what we look for but it, it, it's a good guide of where we try and get to because we have all the data and all the metrics on all these players and that just evidently says yeah on average he's going to be better he's yeah. going to do this on a season by season and we have every season of the player from the past three years so naturally then would you say that that leads to uh, a younger profile of player coming through the door if not, you're looking not necessarily no not necessarily he can be an older older type you know season pros I like season pros and you know younger lads who we feel yeah, there's there's a market for different ways, but I think you know average R team probably is. I don't know, might be lying here, but I don't think it's that old. No, the average. Twenty seven, I'd guess that maybe. Maybe twenty seven, twenty eight on average. Yeah, I think there's one or two older ones in there, but yeah, possibly around that. Now we can add. I'm not saying how many players, but if we add a couple of twenty four, twenty fives, and a couple of twenty nine, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, age is just a number for me. Yeah, as long yeah. as he can do the job. Now, whether that's short-term, long-term, we're, we're trying to get where we want to get to, like everyone is. So you've got to make sure you re- recruit the best you can. Yeah. Where are we at with transfers? Is there anything you can... No, not really. you can divulge? No, as I say, we'll have a few proposals out to a couple of players yeah. today, probably. Um, we've had a recruit meeting this morning, all of us, and we'll probably continue with this afternoon for one or two things. And We've identified... A few players, I should say, and we'll try and get one or two proposals. Well, we'll get definitely two proposals out today yeah. to, to two players, and then we'll wait till they're back from them. Yeah. What's it been like working with the male? Obviously, 21 goals this season. You're a striker yourself. Yeah. Have you seen an improvement in him, I think, on the pitch towards the end of the season? Um, I have, yeah, I have. But it's been a little bit of tough loving between me and Emil because I think. Uh, Emil's not the one who, not the type who walks around with a smile on his face. He only smiles when he scores. And he tells me, but I want him to smile on a daily basis. And he's he's a good kid. He's he's what he is. He scored 21 goals. He's 23 years of age. Got a long-term contract with us. But there's still room for improvement. He can be one of the best number nines in the division, if you ask me. Um, to go and get them type of goals, you know, is is credit. To him, really, you know, we've changed them a little bit. You know, when I speak to him, he used to just run round and run outside the box. We were trying to make sure he stays in the round the box and around the 18 yard box, not get um, caught up with linking up play and setting the ball in and giving it away. And he's got to chase back. I want him to, to be effective in the right areas. But any striker who scores 21 goals is, is obviously had a fantastic season, so we still think there's more room with him to improve him I've spoke to Emil on a personal note of, of working with him on a, on a daily basis in terms of watching his clips how we can get better different types of runs and we'll coach them and that's not just Emil that's all the strikers yeah. I still feel the strikers who've got in the building can all score goals in, in different ways and that'll be the challenge for me as the manager as an ex-striker it's that tough loving with the strikers to say look come on you know, we, we, we feel we had Cameron score, I think he played seven or eight goals, did Cam yeah. score, possibly could have had ten. What, what, what an unbelievable that would have been for him to get ten, but again, to score seven in the Championship in his first season was, was, was excellent. Yeah. What have you seen in Cameron that makes you think he needs another season at this level? Well, he definitely does need another season at this level. <laughs> um, and and I've, I, again, I think I've mentioned it a few times in the press, I've, I've seen Cameron Archer for for the past two and a half years or so and when he went on loan to Solihull and scored a load of goals and then 
any goal scorer like that, he's like a Jermaine Defoe type, can shift the ball and get a shot away. Fantastic kid, great attitude. But the truth be known, the Premiership is probably a bit too much for him at this moment in time. I know he's played in it and come on, but it's a different animal, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so for him to go and score 20 goals in the Championship, then he'd be worth the waiting goal for Aston Villa when, when he does. And, and I believe at 20 years of age, with another year in the Championship, hopefully at Preston North End, then that gives him the chance to go and kick on. He wants to be an Aston Villa player, he doesn't want to be nothing else, he wants to be an Aston Villa footballer, and I'm sure he, he'll be that one day. But I think maybe, you know, for next season, another year in the Championship, to toughen him up a bit more, to get that little bit more guile, to score them more goals, he can definitely be a player for, for Aston Villa in the future. Yeah. DJ and Alan McCann, especially in that uh, Bury game, a lot of interchange between the two of them. Is DJ playing at left wing back? something that you can see him doing more of or yeah. do you want to get him in that more advanced position well I think I always say things happen for a reason don't they and I remember um, Danny Mayer who used, used to play for Preston North End he was, he was an out and out winger and then when I developed this 3-5-2 I, I call them corridor 8s 8 mid like 8 stoke 10s or whatever and Put in the pocket. Danny was a 10 yeah and, and you know he received the ball and Obviously, he was right-footed, and, and I think with Brownie and DJ, who I'm getting to do that, and they're, they're being fantastic, by the way, getting that, even Ali McCann coming on in there as an eight, uh, Ryan Ledson when he's played there. I think it's important that if you follow the style and the identity that the manager wants, you, you can grasp it. So, DJ, yeah, OK, I, I asked him to play left wing-back against Barnsley, and he was fantastic. He thought I was joking at first, and then I said to him, I'm not going to play there against Millsbury. Why well, I enjoyed this so again, <laughs> and then he went and played there again. But the interchange, I, I, I like that interchange with them in there because Ali can go out there for a little bit of energy Full and come on his right foot. Yeah, you know he's got loads of energy, and DJ's got that quality and that guile. Now I, I can do that with with with, with, um, with Brownie as well, and potentially Potsy for I'm sake if he's out there as if it was in one of the games. I just felt. We done that because we felt we could be a threat down the left hand side. I remember Ali against Bar- uh, Middles. No, was it Middlesbrough? No, what game was it against? Uh, might have been Middlesbrough. Well, one of the games, Ali ended up in, in an eight, and DJ and Brownie ended up down the left hand side for a small time. In fact, it was against Barnsley, and Ali was over in the right side of the eight. And I thought them two were fantastic down there as well. So the interchange, that that's what I want, but. Yeah. I couldn't implement a lot of that because of where we were trying to get to and what we were trying to do. I didn't want to give the, the players too many messages. Don't want to overcomplicate it. And it was the last couple of games we changed one. We changed a couple of things in them last two games. I don't, I don't want to give it away, but whether you're seeing or not, I'm not sure. But the set plays we changed a little bit in terms of defending and, and for, and then the rotation of the eight and the wing back. So they're the type of stuff that we want to be able to, you know, experiment in. And them two games were perfect to do it in. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously it paid off. I think it's no coincidence then that we scored seven goals in them two games. And they're the two <laughs> games that you tweak some things in. Yeah, and, and it's good when you look at that because you'll know now, won't you? You'll go, okay, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's good when you do tweaking them. Now you can't. Look, I, I tried to change a little bit Derby County. We went through a 4 3 3 because they were very good at a 4 3 3. And I thought, let's have a look at it because you know, you're making your mind up on one or two players like Sir Josh Murphy's, Scott Sinclair's, you know, Joe Rafferty's and you know, so we wanted to make sure we can we can we adapt to different formations. I'm quite open minded to stuff like that, but in terms of tweaking things on the pitch and when you need to, 
know, I, I seen, I was reading a paper the other day and someone had said that we, we, whether we had plan B. I was like, well, if you do plan A right, you don't need plan B. So yeah. there, there, ain't, there shouldn't really be. But the fact of the matter is we, we always have a go-to where, you know, maybe we'll take, you know, I don't know, a, a, a midfielder off and, and put another attacking midfielder on and maybe have three strikers, whatever that may be, or tweaking the interchange of the eight and the wing-back. So, yeah, it, it's always nice when it comes off and to score seven goals in them two games was obviously pleasing. And Was that down to tweaking one or two things? Maybe, yeah. But that they're the things we'll always look at. Yeah. What's your favourite memory from your time at the club so far? Um, I think I think it'd have to be well, the Blackpool one's obviously massive because it was a derby, and, and for me to give them fans and send their fans home happy for what happened last time at the away uh, at the away game. But I, I must say, I think it was the first the first game. I, I walked out and it blew me away. The Barnsley game. I think the fans were singing. They were singing my name, um, and then to give them, you know, what I felt was important win just to get them back on track was, was very pleasing I'm going to give you three actually so that was that, that, that was the first one was the Blackpool second one or well, the first one was Barnsley because my first win second one Blackpool and then I felt that, that, that um, the Stoke game was, was good I thought that really galvanised the fans to say right but we're in it together with you now and I knew that the following hadn't been as good on the road if that's right and then and, and also with Potsy scoring that goal I knew he was in for a lot of flack beforehand and you know I pulled Potsy and said look I'm thinking of playing your right wing back um, and he was like really he said, I said have you played there before he said look I played right back and right wing and I thought okay and I felt because they were big and strong and for him to score that goal and to see the passion out of him that got the fans back on side with not just the club but himself as well yeah. and showed that unity they were the three the three good moments probably every moment was great yeah. but the, them three the first win the Blackpool one for the fans and the third one was probably for Potsy yeah. and the fans because I thought that galvanised us and then I think the next away trip was West Brom wasn't it was it West Brom and then we won and the fans were packed out there again Brom. I'm notorious for having a yeah and then Coventry was packed out you know and I thought yeah. we were getting on this little momentum of the fans travelling everywhere and they were really coming in and under so yeah. I think that galvanised everyone to say look come on let's, let's follow them yeah, but seeing it from the press box and seeing how the noise they make, the the numbers that they were oh. travelling in, it, it, it's Hull, Hull was good. Hull was good. Yeah, I wasn't at Hull, but Hull was brilliant. From uh, from what I saw, it looked looked very good. Is there anything that you do differently while, from while you've been here, looking back, or you're not someone um, that dwells on? No, I, I don't. I don't look at the past. I, I look at the future. I'm not one that'll go. Oh, I should have done this. Should have done that. There's there's loads of things where you think. I think I said before about playing players when you know I'm saying you're okay and they're like yeah no, I'm fine fine and really I probably should have maybe changed one or two because to freshen things up not 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 to freshen things up in terms of the style or anything like that more to freshen the personnel and yeah. the player up because I I had them you know like as players who who sat on the bench and not being used when I maybe they were ready to go again and give them an opportunity so. Maybe that, but not not in terms of everything I've done since I've been here. I think you know, I'd like to think everything we've done, we've done for a reason. Yeah. And and I think it's been a decent enough, um, a decent enough start to life at Preston North End, really. And I think everyone's bought into what we're trying to do. The, the staff in the round the place have been fantastic. The ground, uh, the support from Craig and Peter have been unbelievable. Um, and, and I know that'll continue and support from the fans and everyone else has been different class so my job is now to, to go that next step again 
and if we can challenge and keep breaking up and getting into the top half and you know our challenge well my challenge was to get the players and get the football club into the top 12 and, and we achieved that by finishing joint 12th so that was really pleasing yeah do you look at clubs like Luton and think that that's something we can achieve yeah, yeah. yeah. and look Nathan Jones being fantastic and he's had a fantastic season uh, along with Car- Carlos Corbahan who's in the, in the uh, playoff final you know, yeah. he, he could find himself in the Premier League now without being disrespectful to them two teams you know we'd like to think we're on par with them we've, we've picked our wits alright Luton was a little bit of a freaky game which yeah weren't great but in terms of my players and their players you know there's not much difference Luton and uh, feel the same you know we feel we can compete I think they'd like to take some of my players and I'd like to take some yeah, of yeah. theirs so if you looked at the three teams you go yeah I'd have him I'd have him they'd have a lot of my players yeah. um, so I think definitely you've got to take something from what they've tried to achieve this year Millwall just finishing outside you know yeah. we've had two good games with them QPR slipped away you know we, we beat them so I think every team in the round that top half are all fighting to get in there and you know fair play to, to, to Luton and to, to Huddersfield for, for challenging into the playoffs this yeah. season last one it might be a difficult one for you to answer but I, I end every guest episode with this if you were to pick a five-a-side team from lads that you've worked with here so far and I will stress this isn't like any preference or anything like that but if you were to pick a five-a-side team who would be in it and would you include yourself players yeah yeah, yeah. you would include yourself yeah. who would you pick me Mike Marsh, Gally, <laughs> Polly, and uh, one more. I'll have Brownie the captain. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely did you want done. players, did you? Yeah, I meant players, yeah. Go on then, I'll give you another one. I was just taking them here right there. Uh, okay, five aside. I'd have to have a goal scorer in there. I think Shawnee Maguire would be good because he's a five aside team, yeah, definitely. He's, he's a little fox, isn't he? So I think he'd be, he'd be my striker. Um, midfielder would have to be DJ because he's got skills coming out of his ears and he could play left back now as well. Well, yeah, left wing back. <laughs> so I'm going here. Um, my two, my keeper would be would have been Daniel. Um, two centre backs. One would have been Sepp van der Berg, and the other one, the left side, would be Andy Hughes. That's one, two, three. Here the five. So I've got. From back to front, Daniel Iverson, Seth Van der Berg, Andy Hughes, DJ, Sean McGuire. Cheers, Ryan. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Pleasure.